2: We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef or a driver.
3: Welcome to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. Yay. Pod 415, two games reviewed this week, a 2-0 win over Hartlepool in the FA Cup, uh, the Cup runners on, and uh, a 1-0 draw against Norwich in midweek. Uh, joining me, Jim Daly, this week is Grace Matheson. Grace, hello to you. How are you doing?
1: Hello. Yes, good. Thank you. Ha- thanks for having me back.
3: Great to have you on. Uh, you've got a sort of light bulb behind your head, it looks like you've got a sort of permanent idea sort of happening.
1: Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> making me look smarter than I actually
3: am <laughs> so I'll take it. Uh, also fresh from the journey back this morning from Norfolk uh, Jack Pierce. how you doing? Hey JD yeah good yeah um
4: can't really remember much of that journey which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing but hey I'm here I made it from A to B
3: so we're all good. That's the important thing uh and rounding off the pod this week Joe Walker is here Joe how are you? I'm very well thank you JD how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. So we're going to crack on with two games to review. We will rattle through the partner pool game because I don't think a lot happened in that game. We'll concentrate on Norwich. Before we do that, can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Mr. Joel Pivotow. Hello. Hey, Joel. Joel, uh, I think it's Pivotow. I believe that's how you say it at Joel, if I've got that wrong. Um, uh, and I believe, actually, Jack, you met Joel uh, last night uh he is another like you south coast based eagle yeah another
4: palace sussex mafia so uh, <laughs> yeah a little bit further down the coast from me uh part of the seaford uh branch but uh yeah uh very nice to to get to know joel and uh, uh was actually stood next to him for the game so we uh, we kept each other company along with his mate mark so uh, they were both very good fun and um celebrating that goal um i hugged pretty much everyone in in proximity to me so yeah i, I got i got to know them pretty well last night
3: i think uh, joel is also uh, uh he's a good friend of Giles Pelly Phillips, who i do the blank podcast with and joel's also a, a blank patron well also very supportive what i like though is I after sort of Joel Ward's form in the last few games I feel like you are sort of maybe trying to subconsciously replace him with another Joel maybe
4: just every person I meet called Joel I like so (laughs) you know to be honest I think Joel P had a better evening last night than Joel W so um, that's what I'll say
3: we will come on to that as well uh, later on before I do that um, I'm going to Introduce this week's sponsor. We're delighted to be sponsored yet again by our friend, Matthew J.I. Wood. Uh, Matthew is a Sheffield-based graphic designer and big Palace fan who creates beautiful football prints. And this month, he's offering FYP listeners a whopping 25% off everything across his site. That includes prints, frames, canvases, and mugs, some of which you'll have no doubt seen on Twitter and Instagram. His offer runs until the end of February, so perfect time for Valentine's Day next week or the Palace fan in your life, or just yourself. Uh, Just go to MatthewJIWood.com and use the code typical palace great code that and that's all one word typical palace um Its extensive Crystal Palace range includes all four stands in the Selhurst Stadium series, as well as a Holmesdale Road exterior design and a Selhurst Park overall interior design, plus a 2013 playoff final-themed Wembley design. And as well as that, it's got 2 Sabutio Subutio-style lineups, one based on the brilliant When Eagles Dare documentary, and a 1990 FA Cup lineup too. So something for everyone. All his prints are available in A4 now as well. So visit MatthewJIWood.com and use the code typicalpalace at checkout for 25% off your order across everything in his store. And that runs until the end of February. One more bit of Abin, if possible. Um, I'm doing my Leicester Comedy Festival show next Saturday, the F- February the 19th. February the 19th of February. Saturday the 19th of February at 4.15pm um, at the LCB Depot Courtyard Room. Um, it's called Jim Daily Football and Fatherhood. There's a show about football and fatherhood. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, it's a very sort of sweet show about becoming a dad and football, helping me through. If you live in Leicester or near and you fancy coming along, please do 4.15 PM kickoff tickets are free slash pay what you want. So maybe get to the end and think, ah, oh, that was worth a fiver or, or a tenner or get your checkbook out, whatever you feel like doing. Um, tickets are available at gymdailycomedy.com slash gigs. Would love to see you there. Right. Hartlepool, Grace, two nil win. Palace through to the quarter, no, fifth, the next round of the FA Cup. I can never remember which round it is. Um, with a, I mean, a comfortable, it was over early doors, wasn't it, really? Uh, and in many ways, I guess you could say a sort of professional performance from a Premier League team against a lower league opposition.
1: Yeah, it was. It was not a bit of a shame to score early on because it's always <laughs> nice to score early, but it sort of took, I think, took the wind out of Hartlepool's sails, which was nice because we didn't want them... Getting into the game too much, particularly having seen the early earlier results with um, Kidderminster um, against West Ham and who was the other one now?
4: Uh, Plymouth at Chelsea.
1: Plymouth at Chelsea, yeah, that was it. Yeah. We didn't want to become the ones to yeah. sort of let it let it slip through slip through the cracks. So um, yeah, I think it was professional. First goal um, set the standard nice and early. How we didn't score a third goal. Um, I will never know. I had some guys sat behind me and I think one of them had a tenner on 3-0 <laughs> and every single time someone went close and then missed. Um they were just ruining ruining our, our chances. But um yeah, Hartlepool, I thought defended pretty well in the second half, but by then the damage was done. Um so and didn't ever really, really threaten our goal hugely. So yeah, good, good result.
3: That theme, actually, of uh, having chances and not converting them continued four days later at Norfolk, which we'll come on to. Uh, Jack, obviously, sort of man of the match was Michael Alise, who, who I mean, pretty much single-handedly uh, took apart Hartlepool early on. Um, not as great against Norwich, which we'll come on to, but another example of what he can offer us. And in fact, I'm going to very quickly chuck you this question from Matt Kirch. Hey, Hello, Matt. Matt. Hello, Matt. Who... This is probably a question for another time. But anyway, very quickly, who is slash was better? 19-year-old Elise, Zaha or Moses? Woo. I mean, it's the early days, isn't it, in the, Elise, uh, in the Elise story? But he was he was superb against Hartlepool. Uh,
4: I can't answer that. I, I need to do a little bit more analysis, I think. I mean, was Moses even our player at 19? Had he gone to Wigan
2: by that? I do not Yeah, remember. he may have
4: gone. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but what I like about the cup run that this, um, this season is presenting is it's giving Elise a chance to continue his development as a Premier League player, but against lower league opposition. So he's maintaining um, his confidence, perhaps, that he developed at that championship level against uh, Millwall Championship side, now Pool. And, and he did look a cut above uh, on Saturday. And his uh, delivery from the set piece was excellent. And he took his goal really nicely as well. So he, he is a class act. I mean, as, as you touched on there, he's, he's perhaps fluctuating a little bit more in the Premier League but I think he's certainly improving um as the season goes on in the the Premier League but the cup run is giving him an opportunity to to play against that perhaps lower caliber of of player and just show why Palace did go in for him and 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 made a really good purchase by signing him and and obviously the the uh, spoiler alert for those that don't know and if, if this is the narrative you're trying to go with JD to highlight who we have in the next round afterwards, um, but to have Stoke again, another lower league um, side, albeit just the, the one league below, um, will be another opportunity for him to yeah. to put himself against um, a championship team. So, yeah, he, he was good, but um, I don't think I don't think it surprised any of us because of what we've seen from him in a Palace shirt so far.
3: Stoke have got um, Ian Wright's grandson and Kevin Campbell's son leading the line yeah. uh, up front for them, which is a lovely sort of 90s throwback for those of us of slightly older um, generation. Um, Joe, before we move on to um, Norwich, what does this cut run off of Palace? I mean, obviously, I know that the draw for the next round isn't amazing because by the quarterfinals, I think you'll be mostly sort of top flight team. Uh, uh, Forrester playing someone in the championship, so that's an all-championship
5: tie but. Otherwise, there's, there's very few. Yeah. all Premier League ties, which is what you want to see, not as a neutral, but as people with an investment and a stake in trying to get progress, you yeah. want them to knock each other out. And that's not really going to happen this round anyway. But there's a chance, so. there is a chance for Palace to have a little bit of a cup run, isn't there?
3: And I, actually, weirdly, I think we have, we have players like Elise and saying, when he's back and wolf will there's a bit of a cup
5: t- team feel
3: to Palace potentially.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I think we're a team that uh, we may not be taking all of our chances at the moment, but we're certainly a team that creates lots of chances and is trying to keep the ball. And on our day backs ourselves against a super, quote unquote superior side. Yeah. Uh, one of our only away, well, our only away yeah. Yeah. this <laughs> season is at Man City, I for think. example. And it works as a fan as well. When I, I feel like I'm maybe going a bit off tangent here for a second, but when when you get promoted, Every win is celebrated in the same way with this joyous kind of "Oh my gosh, we we belong at this level." Yeah. But as soon as you beat a team once, you have that thing forever in your mind now, which is like, "I'm always going to be disappointed if we don't beat this side again now," because <laughs> I know we're we're good enough to do it on our day. And I think that can be applied in the cup, but in a perhaps in a more excited, uh, uh, still a, a retention of you know dreaming of what something. That it's a little bit the Success, the silverware is a little bit more in reach, and we've had a couple of really good runs. Obviously, there was the final, um, uh, only what four or five years ago now, but there was also the quarterfinal run in 2018, I want to say, under Hodgson, where oh, we lost, yeah. to, we lost at Watford, Watford. Yeah. and they which may be just as well because they got done six nil in the final, <laughs> I think it was, <laughs> yeah, they did. But I, yeah, know, we, we're a team that will like a cup run, and we're certainly at this point. Seven, eight years into our Premier League journey, we have these are this is the exact sort of thing we should be doing. I think all of us would collectively accept losing our way in the league table by two or three places if it means that you know we really go for it on these cup Saturdays. And it actually also in January really helped go back to what you're saying about Eze and Elise. We already have players missing through AFCON. And you know, the squad was a little bit short. And I think that having the cup in this in January, and that you get Saturday games in the cup or weekend games at least, it allowed us to breathe a little bit. We didn't actually play that much Premier League football without so Norwich was our first game with Zaha since Boxing Day. Yeah. It didn't feel like that really, did it? Because we haven't actually played that many league games between now and then. And so it allowed Elise and Eze to play their games in the league, but also as Jack point made the point keep their confidence up in these cup games and uh express themselves a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Shout
4: out uh, as well to uh Tayo Adamarola. Adamarola. Yes. Hang on. Am I getting that right? Tayo Ad uh oh, that was awesome. yeah. Um another you know first team debut from the Academy, which is only a good thing. And uh almost had the fairy tale first yeah. touch, yeah. but yeah, you know not to be but he uh, he's very highly rated by those within the club so it's great to see him get his his first time in it first team minutes because you often hear about players that are impressing at youth team level but it's really whether they're going to be able to get the chance in the first team so for him to get get minutes um, w- was great and uh really pleasing and, and we'll see whether he features again between now and the end of the season the, the cup run Provides the opportunity for, you know, greater use of the squad because of the pressures it puts on the squad in terms of the, the Premier League focus. So, um, yeah, really good to see him get minutes. And, and it is, it's it's an exciting thing to see players come through the youth system. Palace, I think more than most clubs just love that. So any player that comes through the youth system yeah. is, is a really good sign.
3: I agreed. And uh, when we lose to um, Stoke in the next round, we'll talk about how we didn't want the cup anyway. It's a distraction from league football, to be totally honest. Um, speaking of league football, Grace and a player that did come back from Afcon, Wilf, obviously straight back into the first team last night at Norwich. Um, a tale of two, you know, a tale of two Wilfs really. Um, a fantastic goal. I mean, an absolutely world class finish, and then a very unlucky i've seen the telegraph i think it said I've, I've done like a sort of weird scientific breakdown of the worst penalty of all time it's not even the worst what? palace penalty of recent That's years they not see jason
1: Punching? yeah, yeah <laughs> still exactly. traveling
3: still traveling that exactly it's on the outer uh, uh, parts of the universe i think by now um so but i uh, very He uh, was unlucky his foot sort of clearly slipped um but it was good to see him back we had a question from robin Mickelberg. i say a question he's written us a novel, basically. I'm going to just sort of paraphrase and do the first. He's put this might sound odd given his worldy, but should Zaha be in our first 11? And then he's gone on to explain his answer. Robin, I'm sorry, it's too long. I'm just going to move on to our next question um, from Spoon Bill McHumpty, one of our favourites, of course. <laughs> Hello, Spoon Bill. Um, who says, Vieira's comments about Wilf needing to be part of a team, not an individual, were interesting. I'm guessing this is post post-match, possibly. Um, he's basically saying that he's not invincible, can be dropped. But Will's celebration of the goal was interesting, slapping the badge and running straight to Vieira. Do we think this is good man management from Patrick? Um, what do you think, Grace? Because I, I did say I sat on the post-match pod. I texted uh Rob halfway through the first half because Wilf was having a very quiet first half and I said uh I don't know if it's been a mistake chucking Wolf back in, maybe just come back from AFCON and oh, I don't know. And then of course, he pulls out that goal and I was reminded of Selzy after the Villa game a few months back saying when Wolf got taken off, uh, saying you never take off your best player. And at the time, I was sort of saying, oh, I didn't mind Fiera doing that. I quite liked the sort of stamping authority. But I think Wolf sort of put me in my place last night and reminded me that when you've got a player that's that good, who can do anything, turn a game or score a goal like that, even when he's having an off game, you have to play him surely.
1: Well that's it, and we know we know he's always got that in his locker, even if he has a quiet forty-five minutes or even even an hour, you know that he's capable of, of pulling something out of nowhere. Um but on the on the flip side, I don't think he's completely undroppable. Um once upon a time maybe he would have been. Um but now we have more more options, your essays, Elise, and with them um, sort of Ayu, Mateta, Edward all, all picking up. I think there's more scope for, well, if you're not on it or you're not you're having an off day like um, his experience at, at Tottenham on Boxing Day where we we saw that perhaps it might have been smart to have maybe hooked him before he got himself sent off, but mm. it all happened so quickly that Vieira um, probably didn't have have much chance. Um, but yeah, we know he's capable of scoring those goals like he did last night and it was a great finish and it's yeah, gutted for him that the penalty didn't go how he wanted it to, but yeah, I think all the... I saw, I think Sky Sports had tweeted from from Hero to Zero or something and Wilford put them in oh, yeah. their place and they they swiftly deleted it because mm-hmm. he, he so clearly slipped and even if he hadn't, he's human. So what? Not going to be the first or last person to miss a penalty and like you say, I could easily name about five five more that we've had worse than that in recent years. Um but no, it's good good to have him back. Um and Jimmy Mack on the bench as well. And then hopefully um Koyate not far behind. Um and yeah, almost then a full full strength squad.
3: Yeah, I think we would I think those two would come back in, I think, as soon as they're available. Jack, you know how like if um a, a player had sort of done a tackle in the box and fouled Wilf or Mitchell for the penalty, might get a yellow card, or if like a fan runs on the pitch and does something, they get banned. Do you think if the groundsman is so bad at his job that the penalty spot is slipping, that he should also get some sort of yellow card or arrested or something like that? I, I,
4: I, being a home ground to the away, the, the, the end that the, uh, the away team are attacking. I, I dare say that maybe the groundsman is, is instructed to <laughs> maybe uh, give that area of the penalty area a bit more focus than, than the other end of the pitch. I don't know. I, I mean, The one thing I noticed with that penalty is is quite how long Paul Tierney took for the penalty to be taken. I was stood there thinking, what's going on? And he was being so overly attentive with the um, players on the edge of the box. Wilf looked very focused and and I actually was very confident he would score. And I think, as as Gray said, he clearly slips. I I think it's an issue with that rather than his mindset or his focus. I mean, he's just scored perhaps the best goal he's ever scored for Palace. He's he's got fire in the belly there, and he's he's definitely um, knows where he's going to put the ball, and, and his record from the penalty spot for Palace up to that point have been very good. So I, I, I'm you know it's a regrettable miss and I think if we had scored then I think we would have battered them I think we would have gone and got a third yeah. and a, possibly even a fourth um because we were we were looking really good at that point and even after that we we still kept the ball I think we lost the momentum because of the subs to be honest I don't think it was anything to do with the penalty um we might touch on on the subs and I know that's been a theme that has been discussed in in previous episodes as well but um he had a very uh, substandard first half by his standards. There's no hiding that, but you're not going to take him off as far as I'm concerned in that situation at half time for sure. You're going to give him certainly the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, And and while his goal was, was obviously the highlight. What what I also noted last night, I don't know if this was picked up on, on the camera is, is quite how impressive his leadership is in terms of dictating the play, bringing the ball forward He's very, very um, vocal with uh, Tyreek at left back. They have a very good working relationship. Even if Tyreek doesn't quite do what Wilf has asked for, he's very positive with him. And I think that, that's very good. And, and perhaps that's an indication of how Wilf's matured over the years in terms of his role within mm-hmm. the team. Um, his celebration was great. Um, I hadn't quite realised the banging of the chest and the the, the hug of Patrick because I was going... Bonkers myself, um, on the other side of the of the ground with Joel, um, with, with with my with my new mate Joel, um, but uh, that is a good sign. That's a guy who's clearly feeling part of it at the moment, and I know there've been comments by by some. It as to whether he does love it at Palace. I, I've never been in doubt that he does love it at Palace. And when he scores a goal like that for a club that he loves, it's a great moment for him and his social media since since the game is, has kind of indicated what a good moment it was for him as well. So, um, yeah, he, he, he will have focus because he always does. But there were lots of positive performances in that, particularly the second half. I thought that was the best um, start that Jean-Philippe Matetas had in a Palace shirt. Um, I, I thought he was absolutely excellent, and and while the the pass and the run from Mitchell for the penalty, so the pass from Wilf and the the run from Mate- uh, the run from Mitchell for the penalty was excellent. The hold up play initially from yeah. Mateta to get us into that pitch and, and break the line was brilliant. He broke two or three tackles and, and used the ball really cleverly. And if that was Ben Teke, we'd be going, that's the Ben Teke we all know and love. So for it to be Mateta, that's really positive. Um, and I, I thought he was good. I thought Elise was was decent. I was surprised he was taken off when he was taken off, given that he'd had 90 minutes against Hartlepool. Um, I, I, that, again, that kind of touched on the subs. Why is he playing 90 minutes against Hartlepool, but then only playing 70 minutes against... Norwich in the Premier League when he's in such a decent vein of form, that that that's a bit peculiar to me um, but yeah, Mitt, uh, the standout player for me throughout the whole game was Tyreek Mitchell, I just thought he was absolutely sensational last night there's the chance for Pukki to make it 2-0, which mm-hmm. if he makes it 2-0 it's very difficult for us to come back from um, Pukki does hesitate to you know, put Guaita on the floor basically before he slots it away but for Mitchell to spot that danger is the kind of sign of a far more experienced fullback and and it was brilliant anticipation from him uh, and his tackle was was excellently timed and then as the game progressed his movement up the pitch was was excellent and offered a real facet for us moving forward and was a key part of that so he was excellent and I think it's uh, a real sign of of his development that they're are fair comparisons. And impact, in fact, you could even argue that at this stage of his development, he, I think he's a more consistent performer than Aaron wan was at, at the same time. Um, so I'm loving watching Tyreek develop. I, I think we've got a real top quality Premier League fullback there. Um, and he, for me, he was, our, he was our best player on the night. And um, to, to say that of your left back, is really pleasing because we, I think we've talked previously about Liverpool when Liverpool came sell us a few weeks ago, I, I talked about Alexander, Alexander Arnold and Robertson being their key playmakers from fullback positions. I'm not saying Mitchell's anywhere near that level, but he is improving in that. And that's really important for the way that Vieira wants
3: to play. I'm glad you said that actually, because my next note here is Mitchell on my notes, and I wanted to ask you guys about him because I I agree, I thought he was excellent. Weirdly, we had we had no questions about him, which is which is mad. Maybe because people just now expect a level from him, and he's delivering. I'm I, I also my next note down is Paul Tini ref Jack's ref rant. I figured you might want to rant about the ref at some point, so it's later dreadful. on maybe we can we he can was, do that. He was bloody dreadful. He was terrible. Um, Joe, really quickly then, um, your thoughts on on Wilf? But also, uh, Jack sort of linked in quite nicely here to Mitchell, because I want to get your thoughts on Mitchell as well. And I, and actually, that point about Wilf coaching Mitchell through the game is very interesting and very pleasing when you've got someone as, as experienced as Wilf doing that. But you compare that to the other side of the game, and there isn't that connection between Elise and Ward at the moment, I don't think. So obviously, we are very much profiting from that that, that sort of connection down the, the left side. And as Jack says, Mitchell was excellent. Mitchell was excellent in both areas of the pitch we've been asking him to, we're asking him to get better going forward. And obviously he was and
5: won the penalty. So uh, that is definitely one of the positives from the night. Yeah, very much so. It's a position that, particularly in this system, we ask a lot of those fullbacks. Give, I think Joel Wall gets a little bit more grace in that respect. And I, I think that's fair enough. Um, you have an IU usually who come and help him. Yeah, I think Ward being as exposed as he was first half, you could see that's, that's the dilemma, isn't it? You know, Elise offers what he does going forward. Um, but I mean, today I'm, I'm weird with assists. Zaha's goal goes down as an Elise assist. <laughs> yeah. And I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay, but that is his first goal or assist in a league start for, for palace. It, wow. it really sums up his, what he does for palace or when he has really worked in the league for palace. Yeah. And he will become a regular starter at some stage, but, um, you know, it's it's we have often been more effective, more likely to win with IU starting and Elise coming on, yeah, yeah. just because of what else IU does uh, in terms of covering for Ward. Having said that, I wouldn't have taken Elise off and brought IU one when we're chasing a goal. It's that 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 doesn't really work either. But um, going back to what you said about uh, Zahar. I've always been unsure, you know, you never know what goes on behind the scenes truly in terms of what's presented by management or the players publicly. And so often, you know, you try and read too much into what you see on the pitch. And so often at Selhurst down my side uh, on the main stand, um, Vieira and and Zaha going at each other's throats, like really bickering. And, and I think, oh, and then we obviously had that Villa game where he was taken off and we're all thinking about almost looking ahead to life after him and, this January, February period is going to be a chance to see how we get on that. The, the sending off seemed to really light a few fires in people that, you know, ah, I knew it, it's over. (laughs) But, um, the running over to Vieira, I just found really pleasantly surprising. So obviously I would love to know what the conversation is there that, has, has egged that on because first half he didn't play well but I, he wasn't a, I think very few players played well first half yes. yeah. but Wilf was, it was more noticeable because I think he was still wanting the ball and trying to dictate the attacks but he was kind of running back into crowds of players he was taking one touch too many he wasn't maybe giving the ball out wide or quickly enough and it slowed a lot of the attacks down particularly with Norwich scoring so early they had really deep Banks of four. And we the only way to get around them is going switching the flanks really quickly. And Elise was doing that quite a lot first half. But by the time he got to the left side, there was better combination work, but it wasn't really going anywhere. Yeah. But second half, he may maybe it was a conversation at halftime where it just said, Look, you're doing the right things, but maybe yeah, it rather than admonishing him, it was kind of like, No, we believe in you, just don't lose your head. And yeah, to to score that incredible goal. And I, uh, yeah, it's annoying that the penalty is I seem to cloud that broadly and externally, but I, that's an incredible play. It's only up that and the Huddersfield goal is sort of similarly yeah. comparable, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just incredible. And yeah, that's why he starts for me. You know, Edward was this pleasant surprise as a stop gap in that position. Um, but I, I would always want Wolf to, Wolf to start for those reasons. And yeah, I was trying to think of who else would score that goal in the premier
3: league. And actually that I don't think, I really don't think there's many. I think, I think uh, De Bruyne probably Sterling, Bruno Fernandes, Kane. I, I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if there are many more, like in terms of that kind of world class of goal. And Andros have, Townsend. <laughs> Andros, <obviously. laughs> and we haven't since Andros, we haven't had a player of that world class quality. So, um, it's yeah, an absolutely brilliant strike. And I don't think it will get the press
4: is as i wouldn't expect it to win goal of the month, although I doubt we'll see many better goals than that this, yeah. this month in the Premier yeah. League. But he has got that pure strike. His goal against Chelsea in lockdown yeah. uh, the season yeah. before, I can't remember which season it was now, but the, the strike from 35 yards, which um, was, was an unbelievable strike. He has got an unbelievable right foot. When he hits the ball properly, it stays hit proper. And that was a great goal last night. Angus Gunn actually had a pretty good game last night. Uh, in goal for them he he made two good saves from the free kick and also from schluppy um he was nowhere near that and um i don't think any goalkeeper in the premier league is getting close to that that was absolutely wonderful piece of um execution didn't
3: from him. he score a similar one at west brom during lockdown as well did he score oh he yes, came, he came right. inside
4: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that yeah. i when i saw the video this morning i wanted to see if it was inside or outside the box i don't I don't think he scored many from out, the Chelsea goal aside I don't think there's been many from outside the box but that was outside the box last night yeah. so I just feel close I
3: think but yeah it
5: was close he is good at that sort of cutting side and whipping it and um, yeah it's 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 for a player that is on is a right footed player on the left side by nature he's going to cut in and and take a, a shot I'd argue he hasn't often done it as much as yeah he, so, you know yeah. he often he, there's often that propensity to go actually go go wide and try and knock it, knock it back in which our strikers since not really read that well since Glenn murray i'd argue um edward's goal at spurs i think was an example of where that worked uh in the home game sorry but yeah when he eventually does wear a defender down and he's got that moment inside you do back if he gets the shot away and there's a gap it's it's the keepers not getting there yeah just just another just one final thing about wilf last
4: night first half r- rubbish and he'd be the first one to say that. but he's actually also up against probably Norwich's best player in Max Aarons. Right. Max Ahrens is consistently linked with with top flight uh, sorry top ranked clubs across Europe. That, that that guy is going to play Champions League football at some point. he's he's outstanding. I'm surprised he's still at Norwich. He will've had him on toast in the second half yesterday and and I don't think that's really going to get the credit the penalty will get a lot of the coverage the goal will get comments but he he battered Max Aarons and Max Aarons is a, is a proper good fullback
3: there are questions about the first half versus second half theme that is happening and we'll, we'll come to that in part three so we do have questions about that uh, let's get a quick break before we do that when we come back winners and losers <laughs> Uh, Welcome back to the Fiverr Plan Podcast. Pod 415, sponsored by graphic designer and Palace fan, Matthew J. Wood, who is offering 25% off his entire range of Palace prints, mugs, canvases, and frames until the end of February. To grab yours and get your discount, enter Typical Palace, that's all one word, Typical Palace, at the checkout at MatthewJIWood.com. Right, it's where we split now between our legacy fan listeners and our patrons. Patrons are going to get our winners and losers. uh, And if you're on the public feed, you're going to get a clip from the post-match pod. Dom and uh, Adam. Driving back from Norwich, the ambient sounds of the M41. I can't remember what road it is. Um, M11, mate. M- M- M11. M11. Sorry. Just done it. Yeah. Just Sorry. done exactly. it. Exactly. The expert, M11 expert in the room. Um, so let's make that split now. So we've,
0: excuse the background noise a bit, we are hurtling back um, a breakneck speed from Carrow Road uh, to, North, to London. Um, after that, that draw um, salvaged by Wilfred Zaha's fantastic second half goal. Let's get an early assessment from Adam on how he thought the game went. Adam, it was a dreadful start but it did get better.
8: Yeah, he did. I thought we were sort of very slow and ponderous in the f- opening 45 minutes. I think we, you know, we we had sort of a lot of possession and good control in in many senses of the game, but without ever looking. Potent in front of goal, we we lack penetration, didn't move the ball fast enough, you know. They got a lot of bodies behind the ball. It's not something necessarily we've been used to, you know, playing against teams that, that sort of perhaps give us that much respect, but you know, it did show our sort of um Lack of uh, quick thinking and uh, speed of thought and and speed of foot because we really lacked that uh, that ability to open up the opposition and uh, and and I think in in truth you know although we had as I said a lot of the ball you know we went in at half time and I think. Jean-Philippe Mateta's angled shot very soon after we conceded the opening goal was really the only time that uh, Angus Gunsell's gloves were too much in contact with the match ball so I think um, you know I think all in all You know, I I was quite frustrated with the first half and just the sort of, um, just the lack of urgency really, I think, was probably what was missing. And it's become a bit of a trait in a lot of games. You know, we've got the ball, it's nice, it's it's easy-ozy, but it's pretty passive at times. And if you're not punching the ball around, particularly in the last third, and moving the ball quickly, you know, it's reasonably comfortable for the opposition to defend against us and I think that was the case here
0: I have to say that, that conceding a goal after 39 seconds it w- was probably the stuff of dreams for, for Dean Smith because it allowed their game plan to to sit deep and clog up the play as much as they could, get 10 men behind the ball um, that, that, that really worked for them f- first half and their outlet that that ball over the the top for is it Ratchika? Ratchika, Ratchika, um, okay, down yeah. the down the left over Joel Ward's head. Joel Ward's head? And that really hurt Palace for. I think three or four occasions uh, he, he got beyond Joel Ward and and really wreaked havoc. I and mean, then the goal came from there. There was a, a couple of very smart interventions at the back post from Tarek Mitchell that prevented Norwich adding to their lead. And I mean that, that was real alarm bells. And I mean look, I'm, I'm I'm saying this on the on the back of a second half recovery, but And Brentford, Brentford on Saturday should not normally be too much of an alarming prospect, given their recent run of form. But but the one thing Brentford have is is pace across their front line, and I I do think that teams will target that area more and more and more. I mean, Anderson doesn't look particularly at ease with lofted balls. Forwards that that's sort of over his head. Joel Ward struggles on the turn, so that that, that is an area of concern. Is it is it time possibly to see
8: Nat Klein in there? Do you think at right back? I think it would be a consideration. I mean, what he does have is good pace, and you know that's important for full-backs. as we've seen previously with Aaron Wambisaka, That that recovery situation when you're beaten is very 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 important in a full back especially at this level and I think to be fair Wardy was beaten as you say three or four times in the first half on that left hand side and wasn't able to get back and uh, and make an intervention so it would certainly be something I would consider I think Wardy and Kleine are a bit different in the, the, what they can do I think Kliney's better going forward and provides sort of more energy. I think Wardy perhaps, you know, certainly aerially offers you a bit more security in that sense. But, you know, swings and roundabouts, as it is with most players, you know, there are sort of strengths and weaknesses, if you like, in in pretty much you know, we were way we were talking at the weekend about the forward players that Edward's good to feet, Mateta can have a wriggle around and get a shot off. Pentecist much better with his back to goal and helping the team and the hold up play. It's all you know, I guess it's horses for courses, but we did look a bit uncomfortable on that side and I felt it was Palace's sort of composed uh, or composure in possession without looking overly threatening uh, versus the sort of sting of of knowledge on the counter attack with that one ball that seemed to to provide us with uh, you know increasing levels of discomfort but um, you know luckily we didn't fall behind with a couple of moments where Puki, I think it was yeah. who had time to uh, or look set to, to score a second but overdid it I mean I think he was fortunate with the goal in the respect of you know he hasn't hit it particularly well but the scuffers are sometimes the hardest ones to save particularly as a goalkeeper you see so many where the goalkeeper sets anticipating a, a powerful strike you know at the goal but uh, it ends up being a uh, a sort of bobbler that uh, bounces in off the post, and uh, I think Vicente was unsighted also. With uh, Joachim Anderson in his eye line, and the ball appeared behind him, and you know sometimes they go in. So uh, an unfortunate, um, an unfortunate situation. But um, you know, I suppose on the upside, although it was a difficult start in that respect we did have 89 minutes plus stoppage time to try and rescue the situation, which we did eventually.
0: Something changed clearly at half-time and that need for a bit more urgency and an injection of energy and dynamism into the performance... Really impressed upon the players by Patrick Vieira because he, he couldn't have been I completely agree with you Selzy in terms of the, the, how passive they were first half very neat and tidy in possession but it didn't go anywhere and it just needed something someone to break the line, someone to, to, to push forward and discomfort Norwich, get them out of their yeah, get, get them out of shape really pull them out of shape and I actually thought I know that people will be drawn, the, the focus will be drawn to Wilfred Zaha for that amazing equaliser but it was Jeffrey Schlupp, really, that was driving it forward, wasn't it? I mean, he, his his performance through through midfield, after having after a very quiet first half, I, I thought he was I thought he was superb in that second period for for quite a long time, in in, in really making Norwich um, more concerned. He was breaking in from in behind. He, he had he was rattling off shots um, around the time of the equaliser going in. Um, his pace was stretching them, and it, it was almost like. Norwich couldn't really cope with that that pouring through the pouring through the middle of them, um, and that sort of drove sort of woke Palace up
8: actually. I agree. I said to you during the game while we were sat together that I felt that um, Slup's drive and industry in the second half was really the catalyst for us to 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 get you know a grip of the game really, and that sort of passive control that we had in the first half became. You know, a sort of uh, more aggressive, uh, accelerated level quite quickly. As you say, he drove into the box, got shots off, played clever give and goes and really carried the team forward. It was almost like he was blowing the bugle as if to say, come on, everyone. You know, like he he led us really from from the front there. And, you know, I would have said to you, I think tonight, you know, he and Wilfred Zaha really turn the screw in the second half and, and um, you know let's be honest we should have come away from the game with three points Joe, let's
5: have your winners and losers um, I'll have to change my winner then because that's what I had I was Going to say, yeah,
4: Jack's finally had his revenge. Yes, <laughs>
5: revenge. <laughs> it took his time. Sweet. It's, it's, a, it's a, more like a 4 1 consolation. Yeah, it's a last minute. Yeah, it's a
4: last minute. I've picked the ball out the back of the net. I've waved to the away fans, but yeah, yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. It's what Harley Paul would have wanted on Saturday. Yeah. Think, <laughs> what he would have deserved. Um, so, the the widow, I think, I'll go with someone that's not been mentioned in well, not too much is Shluck. I, I think. We've had this makeshift midfield for quite some time. He's been moved around a fair bit in that. Um, some Sometimes to his advantage, sometimes not. Um, one of his better games, sort of turning points, I'd actually say in central midfield, was the Norwich game at home, certainly in the first half. And he had a similar sort of performance last night, certainly in the second half, um, where he was kind of doing what you want to see Jeffrey Schluck do more of, which is collect the ball and just let it roll through him and run at the defense, particularly when they're so deep lying like that. Um, Because I think def- that, that's what defenses are terrified of. And he is really, really pacey. Um, There's also a couple of through balls. I think it was, him, was it his ball through to Mat- uh, Mateta in that offside goal? Or have I mistaken someone? I think but it was gay. Mark gay. Okay. yeah, I Yeah. yeah. I'm my mistake. But second half, along with a few other players, he really upped the level. Definitely. And I think was really unlucky (laughs) to be taken off. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We have some themes at the moment that are starting to really, you know, it's not just a, uh, it's it's a little bit more of an issue, which is the slow starts and the subs making us worse. Um, I feel it was very, we had them on the ropes, Norwich, even after the penalty miss, there was still 20, 25 minutes to go at that point. And, Schlupp was only on for another five minutes or so after that, I think. And it was, the game seemed to peter out. Um, And maybe that essay is what we've just discussed has its part to play in that. But um, I just think it's also an unlucky one because I I was trying to tee up whether to put Schlupp in the losers as well, just because (laughs) despite all this... yeah. I, we might not see him in that position again now for the next, yeah. you know, Saturday, we might have Bakarfa back and or Cuyate and is right down a pecking order again. And yeah. suddenly he might be considering his options and it's just really unlucky. Um, but if he was to keep his place in the side for a little bit longer in place, of one of those two, I think it'd be justified. I think he'd have earned it. Um, and Vieira seems to be that type of manager, certainly with the forward options if you score, you tend to play the next game regardless of, you know, he seems to really just back to form players. Um, so yeah, that I, I think should do some praise for that at least. Um,
3: yeah. So Joe, I'm delighted. I'm actually like smiling here to hear that you said that. Cause I'm a big sloppy fan. and I thought he was good last night as well. But we've got a question about club. I was going to do it in part three. I'm going to ask it now. I might even make this bit public because I feel like <laughs> we need to talk about Jeffrey. He, uh, <laughs> we could do a whole episode on Jeff, I think, to be honest. Like he's fascinating. So I'm gonna put this question to Grace actually to get your opinion on it as well, because we we know what uh what Joe thinks of Schluppy. This is Jack Steele. Hello, Jack. Hey Jack. Now Jack goes the other way. Questions to be asked of Vieira and the coaching staff about Jeff Schlupp. Week in, week out, he starts in CM and he's completely ineffective, wasting his talent and the talent of other midfielders in our squad. Uh Grace, what's your cause I'm a big Schluppy fan and I think he's he's best when he's got um simple instructions which is head down drive shoot pass don't think about it just do because he's an instinctive player and he's got pace power and he's got a good strike on him when he's got to think about it in that first half when Palace are almost overthinking the play I think he struggles but in the second half when we're more driving forward he is an asset what, where are you on the schlup scale are you are you with joe or are you with jack
1: i sort of sit sit on the fence on the how do you <laughs> solve a problem like jeffrey um <laughs> just because oh, it's so tricky i agree that i think he's best when he's simple instructions come on get get on with it head down drive forward and i from from my perspective, that he tends to be better at that when he's come on as a sub, and the sort of brief is clear of what to do. Whereas in the first half, and it is unfortunate that it tends to be in games where it's definitely not not just him that's been poor. And I think that feeds into it as well. Like Joe said, Norwich last night. I mean, it was harder to name who had a good first half than yeah, who didn't. Yeah. And the same, I think. Um, I think it was Leeds away. The first half wasn't particularly great, and the midfield didn't. Didn't just just didn't seem to get it, and again, I think Schlupp started that one again by no means just him, and it, it does seem to be that either he he clicks in the second half a bit more along with everyone else, and it suddenly comes together, and he was unlucky not to score last night. That was a, a good save from Gun, um, but yeah, it's a really tricky one because when he is good, he is really good, um, whether that's coming off the bench or or during the game, but now it's how he fits in again now that um, MacArthur and check are back um, but he always he's one of those that you're never in any doubt that he he goes out to try his hardest and sometimes that's that's all you want and if it doesn't come off again' he's, he's human.
3: Yeah there, Jack there is uh, other Jack sorry not Jack still um, there is a player there. There is a player in Jeffrey. I think we can all see it. And maybe that's what leads to people's frustrations that we're not necessarily getting the best of Jeffrey. The job, there's been so many potential pod titles in the last five minutes, hasn't there? The best of Jeffrey sounds like a Hallmark movie, actually. Um, but yeah, it is, it, 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 I can see why people get frustrated with him because there is clearly an, an excellent player in there. I think the thing with a player like Jeff is that when you see him
4: burst beyond the line as he does, and when he does it, it's so impactful, people just expect him to be able to do that time and time again yeah. and don't quite realise the effort, the physical effort that that will have taken. He can't go and do that again 30 seconds later. It's just not physically possible. And also defences will drop back three, yeah. four yards to yeah. to mitigate that that threat. I think there's a really interesting summer for Jeffrey Schlupp. He's got another year after this summer. He signed an extension a couple of years back. I know some people have suggested that he's out of contract this summer. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. He's got another year left. If I'm Jeffrey Schlupp, I'm talking to my agent, and I I want reassurances. This is probably his last. What is he? Twenty eight, twenty nine. Uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 So 20s. I I think this is. His, um... Joe, do you need to? Joe need to go. No,
5: no, no, no. Sorry, I just tried to. I tried to just show some bit. Uh, breaking news from the Athletic: uh, Nathan Ferguson is expected to be out for up to six weeks. Six weeks. Right. Okay. It's not six months. At least. No. Take that. So, end of March rather than May. So, we might...
4: Maybe the like the last...
5: In time for the final.
4: Yeah. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for Wembley. Yeah.
1: yeah he'll,
4: he'll score the fifth penalty. Palace yeah. legend. He's written in the stars. Um, Love no, the breaking I think he,
3: news. Um, he's 29, by the way.
1: Um,
4: 29, Jeff. Yeah. So, this is probably his last long-term Premier League contract in terms of being two to three years, if if, if he's going to get that. He's going to want to be starting Premier League games. So I, I think... He's he's an attractive proposition for other Premier League clubs, and I, I, I just think he'll want assurances from Vieira and the coaching staff that he is going to get regular minutes. But as Grace said, he's James McArthur returning and Check coming back from Afcon, away from being third choice in yeah. midfield there, and and I, I I just feel for him in that sense because he's he's shown moments on occasion that he's he's clearly capable but perhaps not consistent enough. And and it's it's a real problem because he's so liked by Palace fans and clearly it has the trust of the coaching staff to do the job that he's asked of. But I could see us parting ways with him, possibly even this summer, if the club wants to recoup some money on him.
3: Interesting. I didn't think that's where the end, the, the schlupchup would end, but now I'm there he might go. Um, sorry, anyway. sorry, t- twist. <laughs> Twist, twist yeah plot, plot twist we had two twists we had the Jeffrey potentially leaving and the breaking news about Ferguson's injury as well you get it all on the FYP podcast um Joe I think we haven't had your
5: loser have we or did we I well, Yeah, yeah oh, I, I couldn't honestly say who it might be um I, yeah I'll, I'll just throw in with Ward we've already covered it but I think yeah it was a bad it was a bad night at the office okay fair fair and a diplomatic answer um JD, right, well that, yeah. JD, it was such a bad performance. I took off my
4: J-Wars President Rosette <laughs> after 15 minutes. <laughs> right. I went, the, I
3: went incognito. Right, but the engraved ring is still there, isn't it?
4: Well, of course, and the tattoo's yeah. life yeah, for exactly, life. So, exactly. you know,
3: yeah. yeah. It'll never be completely gone. Uh, if you... Uh, didn't hear our winners and losers please do and you want to sign up or oh, you might have heard i think i'm gonna if you heard a bit of the schluppy winners and losers and you fancy more of that each week sign up at patreon.com slash P A T R E O N dot com slash fyppodcast um or if you enjoyed the post-match pod as well you get that after every game uh, right c- quick break and then uh, questions Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Hey, Pod 415 sponsored by graphic designer and Palace fan Matthew J.I. Wood, who is offering 25% off his entire range of Palace prints, mugs, canvases, and frames until the end of February 2022. Obviously, I did not need to put that in, but there we go. Uh, To grab yours and get your discount, enter Typical Palace, that's all one word, Typical Palace, at the checkout at MatthewJiWood.com. Joe has left us. We are down to a front three now, uh, and we're going to do a couple of quick questions. We've done most of them already uh, in the earlier parts. Uh, but, Jack, you want to do a quick shout-out before we uh, crack on?
4: Yeah, just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, the Glad All Over San Francisco group. Um, they very kindly hosted my brother uh, yesterday for the Norwich game. Um, he's he's currently enjoying some Californian sun in February, which uh, lovely makes a difference to, to most Palace fans, what they're experiencing at the moment. Um, but he had a great time with them yesterday, and um, they're, they're very, very proper Palace fan. So they're a long way from SE25, but they um, they live the highs and the lows. So um, yeah, shout out to them. And I think uh, Jerry, uh, one of them is actually coming over to uh, watch Palace in April. So um, look forward to, to welcoming you over here in April, Jerry.
3: Fantastic. I, I think if I could switch being a Chesham Palace fan to San Francisco, would I do it? I think I probably would. Yes, I think I definitely would. Actually, but those, uh, I mean, it's,
4: yeah. those guys are up early. Like, it, yeah, mean, yeah, for so three o'clock kickoff, that's a that's a seven a.m.
3: I remember. Kickoff. Because I lived in LA for about six months in two thousand and nine, and I remember. I mean, Palace were pretty bad in yeah. two thousand and nine, so I remember a lot of times you, 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 the the alarm would go off at six thirty, and you think. Well, where is it today <laughs> scunthorpe I think I might just I might fly in today actually so uh fair play is we, we we have a lot of listeners to FYp all over the the world and I think uh, yeah some of them get up at mad times so fair play to them is big commitment. I struggle to get to the games from Buckinghamshire sometimes. So, you know, these guys are proper proper fans.
4: J.D., um, that six months, was that your time as playing the English character in American Soap Opera that you don't talk about? <laughs> I, Is that right?
3: I wish it was. I wish it was. No, pilot season did not go well for me. Uh, out there. No, I was I was coaching football uh, for MLS soccer camps, but actually we had, we had a deal with LA Galaxy as well. So, this is why this is why fifteen years later that the, the um, MLS is blossoming so much. I don't want to say that <laughs> I was directly connected to it, but you know there was a correlation there. Um, the so influx you know.
4: of American footballers into European leagues is is exactly. all down to one Where's man. my
3: cut? Where's my percentage? This is this is the question we should be asking. <laughs> um, let's. We have done most of the questions. To be honest, that people have asked us. Uh, Grace, there is, no two things, really. There's the substitution, which we've all sort of, like, um, danced around in part one and part two. And then, which no one's asked about yet, actually, but I know we all sort of talked about it briefly. And then there's the classic. What's becoming the sort of Vieira blueprint, this, this halftime turnaround. Um, Eric Olesch has said, is there any way to trick the squad into thinking the game is starting in the second half? Hypnosis, setting a 45-minute earlier alarm, not laundering the kits, potential... Um, and uh, Mr. Jimmy Ag has said, possession and passing, but no punch. Another two points dropped. He hasn't played for years, mate, so I don't know why you would bring him up. Um, <laughs> but where, what do, uh, what, what, where are we with this, Grace? Because it seems to be uh, a trend now, not just the first half, second half, but these subs as well. Are, are we getting to sort of a situation where we're starting to get worried about this?
1: I don't know if I'm worried about it yet, but it is is—it is certainly a bit of a dilemma. The Firstly, the tale of two halves, recurring problem that I just don't don't really know there doesn't seem to be a trend of it just being at home games or just being away games or just being the big teams or the the ones we expect a bit more from we just seem to be at the minute a lot the first 45 minutes feel like are wasted and then we leave it we leave it with all to all to do in the second half and games like last night where we had so many chances and we couldn't finish them off. And it feels like just as the players have finally got into a groove at around the 70, 75 minute mark, that's when Vieira is making the changes, which had had we been performing well for the whole 70, 75 minutes, I feel like that would be the right time. But because it feels like they've only been on it for sort of 25 minutes, half an hour, it feels like they've just got into the groove and then it's hook, off you go, two two new sets of legs on that don't and then it feels like you're back to square one a bit again especially last night where it did feel like we were just getting some momentum yes Wilf missed the penalty but we were still clearly clearly on top um and it just disrupted the flow um so it is. It's a bit concerning, and I know we all we all used to moan at Hodgson making subs either not at all or yeah. so late on. Uh, yeah. But I just think that sometimes Vieira has a tendency to do the same thing as what he's done in another game, even though the situation might be slightly different and yeah. the circumstances mean that maybe let's just let someone like Elise say, have that extra, maybe not even the whole ninety minutes, but another ten, um, or bring on one sub. Um, I feel like, yeah, it just sort of killed killed it off a bit last night and it's it's a tricky one.
3: It is. Oh, Jack, I saw you sort of uh preaching along to that. So obviously <laughs> you agree with it. And I should say as well, like sub it is difficult. Subs. I almost feel like you either should make subs at half time, um, or in the last five, ten minutes for impact, because actually when you come on mid race through the second half, it is I'm going to do a quick anecdote, an example, and I'm absolutely not comparing myself to Crystal Palace at all. Although I have scored at Selhurst, I must Um, But I came on for my vets team at the weekend. We played a team over in Bushy near Watford, a very, very good team, and we were two-one up. And it was Watford, Watford clang, Watford clang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like Dom on the post-match pod or the Chelsea clang, isn't it? Um, but w- we were doing really well, and I came on for the last ten minutes at right back, and I, ju- I felt so out of, so behind it. I just felt like I couldn't get up to speed in the game then unfortunately i did give away a very soft penalty <laughs> literally my first touch pushed the guy in the back i went up for a header and sort of pushed him and they scored and they uh, equalized 2-2 two, two, so two points dropped um and then for the next five minutes my head was gone and i was sort of all over the place and we're talking very different levels here but it is difficult coming on as a substitute uh, it takes you a while to get into the speed of the game sometimes maybe not at all there's big expectations on you to impact the game and do something and Grace is right. Maybe they need longer the substitute, or maybe actually, if the game's going okay, don't change it for sort changing sake.
4: I think it's sometimes easier for a sub to come on when the backs are against the wall because they know what they're doing. They're there, you know they're there to support the effort to maintain a position and. As you experienced the weekend, it's it's not easy to do, Jay-Z, is it? So it was a soft, I, very soft, in my defence, ref- the referee was it Paul Tierney? Was it? Was it, <laughs> um, No, and but the reason I I was like, you know, I nearly said preach as as uh, as Grace was talking, really, but I thought that would be very inappropriate. Um, but it's a case. The, the point that that the. the Uh, grace made is so on point because that's how I, that's exactly how I feel. And I I, I presume many other Palace fans feel that the substitutes, and I know I have to appreciate that we've played 75 minutes. So the kind of good 25 minutes, 30 minutes is, is almost a a faux reality because they've got 75 minutes in their legs, but it feels as though we're kind of cutting our momentum when really it's the worst time to, to do it. And the subs last night, I mean, Jordan, are you coming on against, uh, Brandon Williams, I you know Jordan Ayew. And before he went to Afcon, was was perhaps our best player in that run of games before he went. So I'm not, I'm not su- suggesting I don't want to see Jordan Ayew, but I just felt Elise was was playing pretty well against Williams. Williams was on a booking, um, and and I felt Williams had the beating of him, and he certainly was creating the space on one side that meant that Wilf was getting more space on the other side, and that stuff didn't really work. And then when I saw both, um ebbs and uh, ebbs and eds uh warming up and and ready to come on i didn't really have much faith that those subs were going to work i i presume that um odson was coming on for for matessa because matessa did look um jaded and he he had uh, just got a very peculiar Yellow. I haven't seen it back, but the yellow card he got for the booking looked as though he literally just fell over out of sheer exhaustion. And and yeah. and, and uh, Paul for Tierney diving. booked him for diving. Yeah. So anyway, don't don't be tired in the Premier League is basically the <laughs> the, the message there from Paul Tierney. Um And then um, Ebbs coming on. I, I presume that was for Jeffrey shop because because Ebbs has come on and played that kind of. Um, well, in positionally sense, of the left of the the midfield three, but I didn't really think that they were going to do anything because actually the flow of the game had changed from the sub that he'd already made of yeah. of Are you coming on for Elise? And I'm with Grace; I would have kept Elise on for another ten minutes. And and I do appreciate we've got three games in seven days, which you know is difficult for the for the squad management. Um, but then if we've gone and got the points last night, there's less pressure on the game on Saturday. So. I don't know. I just think the subs, subs aren't great. I mean, he he has had success with the subs this season. Um, you know, against Leicester, he bought two subs on and they both scored goals. Yeah. Against Manchester City, the subs he made effectively secured us the points. Um, and, you know, even against West Ham, I was reminded of by my cousin yesterday, we're 3-0 down, but the subs he made got us back into a position where we very nearly nicked a point at the end of the game. So, he has had successes with some of his substitutions, but he also has had numerous occasions so far this season where effectively he's stifling the the possibility of us winning a game or or, or getting back into it. And perhaps that's a manager learning, perhaps that's a a coaching staff, not quite sure of itself. Um, but you'd like to think that's going to going to improve. But we have gone from a uh, a manager who was accused of making no subs to a manager who's now being accused of making too many subs. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's not a, it's not an ideal reality.
3: Well, I mean, managers can never win, really, can they? Let's be honest. And I'll, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if they could, anyway. But so that's yeah. just the nature of football fans. But you're right, you're right, Grace, about the, the momentum killing. That actually when we do get going it's not 75 minutes it is 25 minutes and and so it is almost a sort of false reality. The IU one is weird last night because for me IU is either a starter away from home to help you build momentum, or you bring him on at 2-1 up or 3-1 up to see out a game, not at sort of one or to try and sort of grab something But
4: it. But if you want to bring on IU, why not consider bringing him on for, for Mateta and putting him through the middle? Yeah. I mean, Hanley yeah. and Ben Gibson actually dealt with Mateta aerially. They couldn't deal with him on the ground, and and IU's excellent on the yeah. ground. So yeah. why not consider
3: that? But yeah. It, I think you're right. I think we are seeing a manager learning, and there have been successes, and, and, and uh, I wonder if we'll get to a more situation where he is sort of more confident, in his subs and 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 uh knows them better but it is frustrating when you can sometimes as you said jack when, the, when those two came on you can think oh, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna work like i you almost feel like i know it's gonna happen so it's frustrating um but anyway shout let's shall we take a quick break there i mean that's pretty much the only question worth a- answering in uh this week we've done all the others um but thank you for those questions uh after the break we're going to very briefly uh preview palaces game against brentford
6: When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business dot com.
3: Welcome back to the final part of this week's Five Year Plan podcast. We hey. Pod 415, sponsored by Matthew J. I. Wood, a graphic designer and Palace fan who's offering 25% uh, as a quarter um, off his uh, entire range of Palace prints, mugs and canvases and frames until the end of February. I have to check myself there. My maths is so bad that is a quarter.
4: Um, I'll tell you what, listener. Palace and calculus in one
3: your, podcast what, I mean, mean, what more do you want <laughs> um to grab your 25% off enter the code typical palace that's all one word typical palace at the checkout at matthewjrwood.com and we will put some of those prints and stuff on our socials so you can check them out uh right brentford grace uh, away brentford the least informed team in the premier league they've lost Five on the bounce. It might be more, but the Google Premier League counter only goes to five <laughs> games. So who knows? It might be more. Uh, but they are in awful form, conceding goals all over the place. Uh, so actually an ideal game for us to go to. <laughs> but it is Palace. Um, ben Mann, one of our patrons. Hello, Hi, ben, ben. Says, um, how can we cope with Brentford's direct and physical approach with such a powder puff midfield? Grace, we haven't even talked about the midfield uh, this week. But what are you expecting from, I guess, from the midfield we're hoping we might see some familiar faces back in there and Palace in general at Brentford because it's uh, it's getting to a stage now with this month and these fixtures where this is becoming a... Uh, I don't use the phrase must win, but it's becoming an important
5: fixture.
1: Yeah, we, we can't really deny that we need to start picking up some points. And I thought before the start of this week, I'd be happy with four points um, from these two games. So we've given ourselves... Some work to do, but yeah. still, still doable. Um, yeah, tricky Brentford. I think that I think I made their last win beginning of January. I think it was against Villa. So it has been a little while, which is always a bit risky. I hate when we're playing people that haven't won for yeah. however many games. But then we haven't won a league game for a little while either. Um, but it, yeah, it will be will be a tricky one. I think they are direct, physical, and quick. But they also. Have been leaking goals quite a lot at the back, so hopefully we can capitalise on that. Um, and like you say, I'm fairly sure we'll see James McArthur starting. I'll be surprised and disappointed if if we don't. I think we've really missed him. He seems to be the sort of link that connects connects everything together. Not to put too much pressure on him, <laughs> um, but not not sure about Koyate. Obviously, where. I don't know if he's back in training yet, or what, what not, or if he'll be on the bench. But it'd be good, good to have him back in the in the squad, regardless. Um, and hopefully, we see the second half of Palace in the first half and the second half. Um, and we, yeah, hopefully we can get get a result.
3: Yeah, um, I'm looking at their fixtures. You're right. The last league win, second of January against Villa. Then they beat. Port Vale 4-1 in the Cup. Then it was 4-1 defeated at Southampton, 3-0 Liverpool, 3-1 United, 2-1 mm. Wolves, 4 against Everton in the Cup, 2 against City. So the goals have been sort of reigning in. Um, but they do, Jack, you know, start of the season, everyone was praising them for being this bold, adventurous, exciting, fun-to-watch team coming up from the Championship. And Eve Antony was on form and Bumo was on form, although wasn't scoring many, mostly hitting the post. Um, so they do have the quality, and Sergio Canios was doing very well. They have the quality there, but I, I'm thinking at this stage in the season, in February, and we've seen it with Palace in previous seasons when they were sort of more newly promoted, a lot of, a lot of it comes down to attitude, focus, mentality, and almost experience more. And you hope that that experience will be with... The pressure's going to start building on Brentford, whereas you, you hope that really Palace can use that, that uh, experience, I guess, to their, to their strength. Really. And as Grace says, Start somehow start a second half in the first half. That's, that's the conundrum that Vieira's got to work out.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Brentford are a classic example of a, a promoted team and I can understand why you would do this. A, a promoted team that stick with their principles that got them up and if it works, yeah. carry on working it. And it, for the first half of the season... You know, it's got them to 23 points. So, you know, up to Christmas, uh, or the Villa, as Grace said, the Villa win uh, in early January, took them to 23 points. So, 23 points by the halfway mark of the season is a good turnaround for a promoted team. Unfortunately for them, what's happened is either some they've lost some key players to, to injury, and some of the, as you touched on, JD, some of the key figures in the team have. um Uh, perhaps dropped in form. Yeah. Um, But also teams have figured them out a little bit more and they, and they haven't shown so far that they have that second plan or the alternative avenue to goal. And if you do give Ivan Tony chances, he will stick them away. He's a very good striker. So, you know, don't, you know, be um, thinking that he's he's not going to put his chance away because he. I think he, he took a chance very well against Everton in the cup the other day. So, despite them not being informed, he's still going to you know take his chances if they're presented. So we need to be wary of that. But we we should go into this game and we've got the players and the experience. Um, Wilf MacArthur, Joel Ward. Players that have played against similar opponents in, in time and and will be telling the, the the dressing room, you know, this is a game where we need to be targeted three points. They're not in a good place. We've got to maximise that. We've, we've got to make the pain worse for them. And and I really am hopeful that we will go there. There were enough signs last night, albeit, unfortunately, most of them are only in the second half, but there were signs last night that when we get going, we really do get going. And I think James McArthur coming back into the fray, whether he starts or not, We'll see. But I, I do think he, um, as well as being a plus point just in himself, I think he benefits Conor Gallagher. I think yeah. Macker mm-hmm. takes the more defensive um, mind of, the, of those two and, and drops back with the deep line midfielder and, and Conor can push on a little bit more. I mean, Conor was playing very, very deep last night, sometimes picking the ball up behind Will Hughes, which I didn't really understand. Um, Czech, I don't know whether... He will be back. I don't think he's back in training. I think the club will release some footage of, of when he gets back. And and probably should say, congratulations to Czech, champion of Africa. Yes, so um all all credit to him. I think he's the la- he's the the last continental champion we had was Mile when he came back from the Asia Cup. So it's the first wow. time in a good six, seven season. So congratulations to Czech, that's sir uh, um, and he played an important role. Um, did score in the quarter final, I think so um, yeah good on him and he's a good egg I think you know we're, yeah. he's very much liked and I think his presence back at the club will be a good thing you know whatever happens to him post this season we'll, we'll see but he he might not be at the same point as Macca in terms of featuring this weekend but um, I'm confident I am confident. I think the combination of where they're at and where, where we're at, I, I'm hopeful of three points. And, and actually, more than that, I'm expecting a three points.
3: I would want us to take three points on Saturday. Uh, to bring it full circle from the start of the podcast, I would like to see Palace put in the sort of professional display they did against Hartlepool obviously not as low a legal position and sort of get the job done early doors and, and shut the game down like they did in, in that one that would it'd be nice to see us return to the professionalism of palace rather than sort of the, the chaos that was Caro road uh, on wednesday so that's it that's the end of the podcast guys thanks very much for being here grace great to have you back on again and i think you're booked in in a couple of weeks uh time as well
1: yes i am i don't think i've actually been on following a defeat yet so hopefully that that <gasps> Continues. So I don't want to jinx it.
5: Are you free it? next week,
1: Grace? Yeah, Are
5: you free <laughs> yeah, exactly. next week. Yeah, we might have to uh,
1: move that booking Let's up. substitution. A, a
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a great record. I wow, think, fantastic.
4: I think
1: I might be after the Chelsea game though, so that might well change.
3: What a! I can't not. wait for that famous yeah. win against yeah. Chelsea. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
6: exactly.
3: <laughs> exactly. Jack, I don't know what your records like now. I, to be honest, it's probably uh, it's probably Stinks. all over the place. Stinks. <laughs> don't know why you have me on.
5: <laughs>
3: well, it's great to have you on. Thank you very much for thanks coming. So on. Much. Uh, thanks to Joe as well. Had to leave us a bit early, but great having Joe on as well thank you to all our listeners thank you to our patrons of course patreon.com slash FYP podcast there's going to be a hot pants episode out tomorrow it's a busy old week for FYP Uh, so keep an eye out for that as well our theme this week is refereeing mistakes so that should be a busy one Um, and then of course post match pod for the patrons uh, on Saturday but until then enjoy the rest of your week take care we'll see you soon goodbye
6: Podcast
0: Network.